Well, guys, thank you for tuning in to the Youth in Culture podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. And I am already overly caffeinated for the day, so this is probably not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm actually, well, we're doing, we're, of course, we're recording now in the morning, so I got my mm-hmm. nice cup of coffee. This is probably my third cup. Ooh. Uh, so if I have lots of ADD moments in this episode, I am sorry. I apologize ahead of time. What kind of coffee? Um, uh, just black, black, uh, French roast coffee, dark roast. Oh, wee wee. Yes. <laughs> gotta, gotta yeah. have the dark roast. I don't like the weak stuff. Yeah. I, I like, um, medium roast because I, I heard that the darker the roast, the less caffeine. So I was like, well, does that mean I need blonde coffee then? <laughs> oh no. I have to have nice, bold tasting coffee. Yeah, I went high quality, high top shelf stuff today. Uh, there's a gas station down the way that's got a subway, and I meet guys there for discipleship during the week. And they have, uh, so I was kidding, it's not top shelf, it's gas station coffee. Um, but they have a roast there called Jamaican Me Crazy. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. It's either that is good or the, the caramel latte creamer stuff that i pour in it i don't know but it's good and i've already drunk one sweet stuff you like the sweet stuff i i do and i've been trying to lay off of that a little bit more recently because i i do um i I like my coffee with stuff in it and i know that's not the healthiest way to drink coffee now you could make the argument that coffee is not the healthiest thing to drink but you can go away um Um, it's, it's the Christian drug of choice. And I know there's someone out there that just heard me say that's going to get mad, but I don't really care. Um, (laughs) caffeine, God made it. Um, but yeah, I, I've been enjoying some coffee this morning. I'm one full mug down of a travel mug and I'm already on my second one and it's going to be a good day, but I'm really excited about today's topic. Um, it's something that, uh, we don't talk about enough. No, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, of course, what we're talking about uh, today in today's episode is uh, humility and leadership. Mm. And again, some of you uh, maybe think, why are we talking about humility and leadership? And it's man, it's just it's just it's sad, but it it's is hard. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is something that is not seen as much as it should be seen in mm-hmm. leadership, and particularly. Uh, church leadership yeah well everybody wants a confident leader right Mm -hmm. but what can confidence become very quickly cockiness (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no not not i agree and then um man it's just it's just i'm going through through a series right now uh it's actually on discovery plus uh and they've so far they've done a good job uh, so far, I haven't really seen a liberal left wing bent to this, and it seems like they've been very honorable in doing this. But there is an, a show uh, basically talking about uh, Hillsong Church, 
and some mm. of the scandals and things that are going on there. Uh, and again, if it, again, if, if from the past, I was very much a pro, uh, like a for a lot of things Hillsong until the last few years, there's been a lot of things coming out. And then I'm watching the show and I'm hearing testimonies from people who, who, uh, from church leaders, from people who are in, highly involved in, in this church. Anyway, and what I'm seeing is the same that we're talking about. It's just that power and control naturally, if you're not careful, goes to people's head. Um, anyway, so I've been, I've been watching this. It's actually been pretty good. I'm not done yet, so my opinion about the show may change. Okay. Uh, but so far, they've done. I think they've done a very good job of presenting facts uh, over opinions. Uh, about what's going on, and I've and there's been there's been people coming out saying this is believers in Christ, almost presenting the gospel in the show in in some sense. But I saw I was like, man, this is this is awesome. <laughs> this is a, this is a liberal a liberal uh, liberal streaming service, uh, and good night. You're pretty much allowing people almost uh, uh, preach the gospel. But all that all that to say is that this is this is an epidemic uh, when it comes to the church, and I and I use uh church loosely <laughs> in that sense because uh, some of these people that are falling in some of these churches i would semi make an argument for some of them just some that they're not a biblical church yeah i see what you're saying and well and okay so this is i think this is where some of the humility comes in but uh we i mean we like to judge people pretty quickly even though we constantly preach don't judge people um uh, or some people do, and it's really hard not to see stuff like this, and then just start wondering if they were ever Christians in the first place, because mm-hmm. um, that's immediately where we go. You know, we think either they fell away or they never were uh, one of us. And uh, in in light of the conflict that we've been dealing with in the last few years in our country and around the world, um, and I think we've mentioned this before, the the art of respectful disagreement. Um, even when someone actually has like failed, like legitimately, factually, evidentially failed, um, the, the temptation to go to someone's throat and just get them, you know, is, is constantly there. And the frustrating thing about that is that show doing that shows an extreme lack of humility. Um, I wanted to, I want to kind of, um, follow some scripture with this, uh, or yeah, follow this idea, um, uh, with scripture at the forefront. It's actually, this is one of the verses I've been trying to memorize and I've not been doing a great job <laughs> of it. Um, and you'll probably judge me for it, but I don't care. It's in James chapter four, verse six. It says, uh, but he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, which, I mean, if you think that you, you think about that verse and then you think about the, um, the example that Jesus gave with the Pharisee and the tax collector, um, the Pharisee, like, thank you, God. I'm not like this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the tax collector's like, I'm the worst. Please forgive me. Um, having that, that humility there is it's, it's important to, to keep it at the forefront of your mind. And I guess maybe we should probably define this. Um, mm-hmm. I I've, I've heard multiple definitions of humility over the years and, I know there's a lot of them that are cliche out there. You know, it's not thinking about, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Okay. That's nice. That's, that's kitschy. Um, 
I, I prefer using the, the definition of humility is having an accurate view of who you are in light of an accurate view of who God is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a phenomenal definition of the word humility. Uh, and if you want to throw the word biblically in front of it, having a biblically accurate view, still, yeah. accuracy is accuracy and truth is truth, and you can't change the truth. So if it's truth, it's biblical, and if it's biblical, it's the truth. So mm-hmm. I'll take a page out of J.C. Grove's book. I think he said that first. Probably not. It's probably Jonathan Edwards or John Calvin or somebody like that. Or Spurgeon. We'll just accredit everything to Spurgeon. Um, you know, he probably came up with all of it, right, Solomon? Um but one of the things that I find interesting throughout scripture is that you see leaders who are effective, uh, even, okay, even in times that it seems like they're ineffective, but leaders that eventually were or stayed consistently effective did remain humble. Um, I think one of the most ironic verses in scripture is in the Old Testament when it says Moses was the most humble man on the planet. Because who wrote that verse? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I never actually thought about that until right then, right the, uh, right the second. But uh, if you look at Moses's life, he did become extremely humble. I mean, he started out, you know, I guess you could say pretty cocky. Um, I'm going to defend my people. And he killed a guy. And then he goes to try to break up a fight amongst his own people. And they're like, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did yesterday? And so he freaks out, runs away. God incubates him in the wilderness for 40 years. and then. After that, he approaches him and says, all right, I'm going to use you to do this great thing. And he's like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> and God is like, oh, no, you, you, I didn't say you might. I said you're going <laughs> to. And, and he's, he keeps resisting the Lord, which this is a false sense of humility here. This is him just throwing all of his failures at the feet of the Lord. And instead of going, use me how you will, he goes, you can't use me. I'm, I'm too screwed up for this. And God finally, this is one of the one time, this is. Let me be careful how I say this. God didn't lose his temper, but however perfectly God interacts with people, this is about as close as you can say God loses his temper on Moses because he's like, dude, you're doing it. I'm sending your brother Aaron. He's going to help you, but you're going to do this. (laughs) And so Moses does. He actually does obey the Lord. Uh, And he goes through all these things. Yes, he has some pride moments throughout the way. Um, He hits the rock the second time instead of speaking to it the way he should have. Um, one of the greatest moments of humility is when they get, uh, the, the water from the rock, I think it's the first time. And Jethro comes up to him in verse, uh, in chapter 18 of Exodus. And he watches Moses judge the people from like morning to night. And then he walks up to Moses and he's like, dude, what are you doing? And Moses explains it. And Jethro goes, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> you, should, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing this. And so he gives them this advice on how to lead effectively with the people and how basically not to burn out. Mm-hmm. And instead of Moses going, um, excuse me, who's the one who talks to the people on behalf of God? I think it's me. Instead of responding that way, he goes, yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. I'm tired. <laughs> and he and he does it. And, it, and it's, it's effective. Um, but he has... This attitude when his father-in-law approaches him uh, where he's going to, to he's going to learn, he's going to listen, and he's going to learn. And, and that's, I think that might be step one of being a humble leader. Um, listen, don't just hear what the people have to say. Listen. Uh, listen to what they're saying. Listen to what other leaders are saying. If you're a youth pastor, listen to what your senior pastor is saying. Um there's a reason God has him there and God has you there. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's something to be learned. 
And if you can listen for what the Lord would have you to learn and remain humble and teachable, which I think is a huge part of humility, then that is going to allow you to continue to grow in ways that the Lord has intended for you. One of the things my dad told me when I graduated from high school, well, he said two things. He said, find a local church and get plugged in. (laughs) Step one, as soon as you show up to Liberty University as a freshman, go find a church. And then step two, stay teachable. And I've struggled with that. I try. I try so hard to stay teachable. Um, One of the hardest moments I've ever had um, when trying to stay teachable, and it's not one singular moment, it's, it's happened a lot, is when you sit down to hear someone speak, preach, teach. Someone intelligent is standing up in front of a group of people sitting in rows, and everyone expects them to say something intelligent, and they start talking, and you realize this guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that's not humble but what you realize throughout what you're listening to is that one maybe you just disagree like what you're teaching what you're trying to tell us i don't agree with you or two you've clearly not prepared for this as well as you should have or three you're out of your depth and you don't even need to be talking about this issue um even in that there is something you can learn And at that point, you're going to have to just turn it over to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I am struggling with humility right now. I don't think I have anything I can learn from this person. Teach me something through this interaction. Yeah. And and I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because one one thing that, again, this is my perception. This is based off my experience, uh, what I have been exposed to. So again, this is just me and then my avenue is small uh, in the grand scheme of things. So this is very uh, subjective in some ways, but what I've been noticing, whether this is true or not, uh, but what I've been noticing more is the avenue of like, I'm going to pick on church planning. Okay. Let's pick on church planning a little bit. Uh, what, what I've been noticing is that the, the facade or the popularity of church, some church planning, not all, but some church planning is, is almost let's get, let's find the pastor, the church plant who's all tatted up, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way, <laughs> but who's all tatted up and who's wearing the trendy clothes and, and, and becomes like a trendy pastor. And that's what I'm seeing more than anything right now, specifically in church planning um, and some outside of that, whether it's wrong, wrong perspective, and I'm willing to say I'm wrong if I am, but I'm seeing it more and more. And, and these, these leaders, church leaders, these pastors are, whether they're reformed or the other in the aisle, uh, it's just, there's a, more of an arrogant side of it's my way or the highway. Uh, your way of doing church is wrong. My way during doing church is the right way. Uh, so why we have 14,000 denominations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, it's like, how arrogant is it to be so stinking dogmatic in saying my way of doing church is right your way is wrong, yet both ways 
are still are absolutely fine in the confines of Scripture. There's nothing in Scripture saying that your way is wrong, my way is, is right. Yet you're dogmatic about that. That's such a big form of arrogance mm-hmm. in leadership. Um, and it's, it's just sad because I, 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 I've de- even dealt with a, uh, seen a pastor even recently having that attitude uh, among a few other churches in, in the area around me. And I'm just like, man, so dudes, it just, I get it. I, don't, I, I feel the same way in a sense. I think I do think something's better. Uh, some things are better and uh, maybe your way, I do think your way is, is probably better, but to say that someone's wrong, see, that's extremely arrogant. Well, I, I would encourage you with, here's a little practical wisdom for you. And I got this from somebody else. This has not come from me. If you hear yours or another senior pastor say, we're the only Bible preaching church in the area, check your surroundings. <laughs> and probably update your resume uh, <laughs> or don't go to that church. It, if you have an attitude of we are the only church in this area that preaches the gospel, um, that's a dangerous attitude. Now that might be true. Um, but it's a pretty bold statement to make. And if you really are the only Bible teaching ter- church in an area um why would you not want to have a good influence on those around you um but 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 it, but this goes back to this this way of thinking um because i've heard that said before this we're the only bible preaching church in the area and i've talked with other youth pastors of other churches in the area and they also preach the gospel faithfully <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you come to find out it's something like, well, they don't have Sunday night services. Or they're, well, they're, not, they're, not, they're not, speaking out the, not speaking out of the KJV. All right, man. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's stuff like that. Like, the, you know, they wear – the pastor wears jeans. Okay, but are they skinny? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just uh, – the, the attitude of thinking you're the only church in the area that preaches from the Bible – and preaches the Bible faithfully is sad. Um, and what's, I, I guess the only thing that's worse is if it's actually true. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I do have to say this, there, there are probably some areas across this country where very rural, rural areas where that may be true. Uh, and in the South, I say it's a little bit more rare. I uh, think if you go more out West or up North, you may, or you may see that uh, probably be more, a little bit more evident. Uh, but that I do have to say, even from a from a Southerner's perspective, that that is pretty a little bit more rare on the rare side of things. Yeah, uh, it's because there's a church in almost every single corner. You can throw a stone usually down south, and you're hitting a church somewhere. Yeah, actually, if you um uh, the the church my road is the road my church is on. There we go. I'm not tired. So we have a little offshoot road. It's, our church is actually on a road called Mount Sinai, which I think is hilarious. Um, but if you go down, it's just off the corner. And so if you go onto the main drag through our county, there's a there's a there's a, a Baptist church where we are, and then there's like another Baptist church less than a mile away, and then there's a Mormon church, and then there's a Jehovah's Witness Hall. And I think the only thing we're missing is a synagogue and a mosque. And like, we have like all the major world religions on one, one road. <laughs> that's, that's pretty, um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And they're all like uh, less than a mile away from each other. 
um, and they never we never talk to each other. Now, of course, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses aren't Christian; they're cult, so that's different. But um, the Baptist Church, that's like if we cut the trees down, we could see each other's buildings. Um, we don't ever talk to each other, and I've asked why, and I didn't like the answer. Um, <laughs> I look, can imagine live, what the man's answer is. Though. We we live in the county, all right. We live out in rural America, middle of nowhere. Turn left, all right. Um, it's a uh, pretty singular as far as the culture at our church, if that makes sense. And it's pretty singular at the culture at that church as well. Um, and so I've asked about partnership, and I've been told that it would not be received well. So I was like, well, okay. Uh, I've met a couple of people from the church and I like them. I mean, they're great. We get along pretty well. We've prayed together. It's pretty cool. Um, but I think even the going down that road is going to require a certain aspect of, humi- of humility. And that's, that's what kind of brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk about with humility, because it's something that we deal with as youth pastors specifically, um, because a lot of youth pastors are young. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, the church at right, wrong, or in, in the middle, For some reason, churches have decided that youth pastor has to be young. Um, And um, I don't necessarily agree that the youth pastor has to be a young guy. Um, I think that there's some good wisdom in looking for a youth pastor that is not young. Um, Someone who has some uh, age and some experience under his belt. Uh, In fact, if you want to go back to episode 51, you can find out more details. But... um, we have this thing where youth pastors have to be young. I went to Liberty University, youth ministry major. As soon as we all graduated, most of my class went out to try to find a church to youth pastor at. And here's the problem with that. This is going to get me in a lot of hot water. So um, don't at me. I think that's what you're supposed to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason they're called elders in the church. Um, I have always struggled and this is where my legalism crops up. So Ryan, you can calm me down when I'm done with this, but, um, I think there's a reason they're called elders in the church. Uh, and I think there's a reason Paul talks about, um, the, uh, elders being a husband of one wife, having children who are not nuts. That's the DSV, the David Standard version, um, <laughs> the, the managing your own household. Well, I mean, manage your tiny little flock at home and that'll be a good proving ground whether or not you can even handle sheep in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and there's a reason that they're called elders because they're older. Uh, and the thing that we fight constantly as young youth pastors is what I call young buck syndrome. All right. You come in, you're fresh out of school or fresh out of the first church that burned you, whatever. and you come into this church, you go through the hiring process. They're excited. They got this young, energetic youth pastor. He's going to be the salvation of all the teenagers in the county or the city or whatever your context is. And, um, and they come in and, and, and they're like, this is exciting. You know, he's got, uh, he's young, he's got energy. He's going to bring some excitement to this. And you sit down, you start doing your work, you start making inroads, you start making relationships. And then someday, whether it's one week in, one year in, one decade in, whatever, your senior pastor says or does something that you don't agree with. And instead of going, maybe I should learn from this guy who's been in ministry for 20 years and I've been in ministry for 20 minutes. Instead of saying that, (laughs) you say, I would have done that better. And that is where things can go south real quick. (laughs) 
Uh, if you start looking at your senior pastor or your leadership on your church and you start constantly saying, even in just internally, I would have done it differently and it would have been better. I could do that better. I would do this better. I would do that better. If you start thinking that and, and instead of thinking, all right, well, that's probably not the way I would have done it, but what are the merits of the way that's been approached? What is the reason behind why that decision was made? asking for clarity, clarification, learning something. Uh, if you don't take that attitude with your lead pastor, you need to just update your resume because um, you guys are going to lock horns and it's not going to be fun um, because you're going to come at this like a young buck, challenging the head buck of the herd, thinking that you got him and he's going to come at you with years of experience, probably the Holy Spirit on his side, and you're going to get thrashed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I'm glad you're bringing that up because it's so true. And in some ways, I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't get into well, I didn't get into a full time ministry until I was 28. Uh, but serving in ministry since my early 20s at churches, and you and me, David, you and me served together. Yeah, uh, for a long time too. Uh, being Word of Life administrators uh, in the same church and. Basically, like almost like mini youth pastors without getting paid in some ways. Yeah, learning uh, on the field, which you never could have learned in the classroom. Exactly. and But at, at the same time, even though I did have, we both have a long period of time of gaining experience and gaining knowledge, uh, probably both failing and doing in some ways too. I'm actually pretty that. good at that. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, but I do have to say that even when I first started full-time ministry in my late twenties, mm -hmm. uh, there was still, I, I'm not, there's just still some, some sense of pride and thinking that I know better. Uh, and, and basically I'm just, in other words, I'm not the same guy, the same pastor now was, uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not. And part of that is because. I've had to learn the hard way exactly what you're saying is, is you had young buck syndrome. Well, yes. In, in some sense, now I grew up in ministry. My grand, my grandfather was a pastor 40 plus years before he retired my home church. My dad was, a, was a pastor at the same church. So I grew up in ministry. So I had a different perspective. Yeah. You went into it ministry. already knowing what you were doing, right? Pretty for the most part. And I, and I already, and I knew how hard ministry was. Um, I knew that longevity in one location uh, produces influence. It's, I already knew that. Um, it's also going, the exception to the rule. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I already knew that going in to, to ministry. I knew it was hard. I knew it was difficult uh, to knew all that this stuff coming in. Uh, but at the same time, even with me knowing this, uh, there was still some aspects of, of pride. Of thinking that I knew better, so over time, mm -hmm. of dealing with some of the things you're saying, dealt with the same thing. Uh, probably not at the same degree as, as somebody in their early 20s who has no idea what they're going into. Uh, they went to seminary, think, "Oh, I'm going to ministry, yay! Uh, I get to be a teenager the rest of my life," which is what uh. I heard a lot from from people when I was in school uh, and, uh, then they, <laughs> and, then, and then they get into, uh, to, to ministry to real world. Okay. And they realize, good night. This is hard as crap. Yeah. And this is difficult. This is emotionally draining. 
oh man, all these all these people arguing about stupid stuff and the color of the carpet and it it just is they go into it and then when they have this idea of thinking that everything that I that I think is right, everything that you think is wrong. Y'all need to update your stuff mm -hmm. to my standards, mm -hmm. to my level of thinking. If you don't, I'm out of here. Even though you wouldn't say that, but that is the attitude that's brought before the table uh, when you're dealing with stuff that's not necessarily your point of view. On Tuesday, um, my pastor and I had an opportunity to go to this. Uh, there was an evangelism tour that our state convention was going throughout the state of Virginia. And our, the Tuesday one was near us. So we went to it. And the main keynote guy that did some of the training stuff, he's a senior pastor down in Florida. And he told us that when he first started in ministry, I think he started out as a youth pastor. And he said he was like 22 year old youth pastor. And he said, parents of teens in my youth group came into my office and sat down and did the dumbest thing a parent can do. And they asked me for parenting advice, a 22 year old single idiot. <laughs> and he said, and I was stupid enough to give it. <laughs> And, and, and think I was right. And, and that's look, I, I when I first started full time, cause I, again, just to repeat what Ryan said, we both did ministry together as uh, youth leaders for free and for fun um, before we went full time into ministry. And both of us went into ministry of having already gotten married. And um, did you have any kids when you started? No, I did not. I had, okay. No, no, I did. No, I did. I did. Atlanta was born. Okay. Ash would kill me if I, my wife would kill me if I didn't remember that. Yeah. Well, it's hard to keep track, man. Um, but so we, we both went into ministry having already gotten married and already started making babies. And so we had even just a tiny bit of parenting under our belts. Um, but even when I started full time for the first time, it, I, I just did the math while you were talking. I was 26. Um, I still like, I would walk in and parents would ask me a question and I'm like, um, why are you asking me? I should be asking you. Like, you're the one with a 14 year old. I'm the one with a 14 month old. I should be asking you how to survive this. <laughs> why are they still crying? Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so it's really hard that that's just a reality of life. If you're going to be a young youth pastor, you're going to have to figure out how to stay humble and teachable while shepherding people that are in a stage of life you have not yet hit. Yeah. And that's why one of the best ways for us to stay humble and stay teachable is to be a slave to the word of God and constantly seek wisdom from the Holy Spirit and from pastors and ministry leaders who have gone before you. All right? I am not perfect. I am far from perfect. I have seven children that will attest to that. Well, Simon won't. He still can't talk. But <laughs> one of the best things I ever did in ministry when I first went full time, um, I happened to get invited to a luncheon of a bunch of youth pastors. And I sat down and I had lunch with these, there was like 20 of us. And I saw an older guy across the table and I listened to him talk during the meal. And I found out he had been doing youth ministry for almost 30 years. And I went, I need to learn from him. <laughs> So after the meal, I approached him and I said, hey, will you disciple me? I just started in youth ministry full time for the first time at a church. And he goes, no, but I have to eat. You want to have lunch on Wednesday? <laughs> and I said, sure. And for the next three and a half years, we had lunch almost every Wednesday. Um, and we just became friends. And I would, I would tell people he's my mentor. 
Um, he might not say that, but he became a friend. He became a sounding board. He became a mentor. He became a discipler. He was basically my Paul for three and a half years. And I, and I still, if I, if, you know, if the poop hits the fan, I still call him, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. and uh, ask for his advice. Um, but he, he helped me manage young buck syndrome because he had been there, done that, got the t-shirt, sent it back. Cause it was too small. You know, it, he had been through the rigmarole. He even backslid and was a senior pastor for a couple of years during those 30 years. And he's back in youth <laughs> ministry. So he, uh, he helped me find the flaws in my, what you just described is basically idealism. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this ideal of what church ministry should look like. And we haven't factored in the fact that it involves people, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, the best and worst part of ministry, uh, is the people. Um, and so he helped me remain humble. Um, he kept me in check. He, he didn't come at me. He didn't say, dude, shut up, sit down, listen. He allowed me to vent. And then he asked questions, helped me process things. And he helped me remain teachable and humble so that I wasn't freaking out about how dumb church leadership was or some crazy circumstance that I couldn't handle because I was a young idiot still. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you made, you made a great point. Um, of something that uh, that I also would recommend. It's finding f- the best way to stay humble. To me, there's two things, ways of staying humble. Uh, as Get married. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Find a good wife that's willing to call you out and call you an idiot when you're acting like an idiot. Lovingly. Uh, yeah, lovingly. But um, besides, besides, besides your wife and your spouse. But next thing is, I would, I'd say is, is, man, find somebody who is willing to speak into you, uh, willing to call you out when you're doing something, something you shouldn't be doing, uh, willing to be honest and transparent with you, not a good friend, not a friend that is going to tell you what you want to hear, uh, but that's a, friend, a friend. Yes. That's not a friend. Uh, but, a, but someone who's willing to speak truth, uh, to you and through you. Now for me personally, uh, for me, that that's, that's my dad. Uh, that my dad's my mentor. Uh, in fact, he was, he was, he was, he was here the other, other week up, up and just visiting and watching my, my kids while we were doing a conference. Uh, so they drove up and all we did was talk about ministry and talk about different things. He's, he's the person that's, that puts my heart in check and, and ministry wise when it's not where it needs to be. And of course my wife does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when I'm hearing it from my wife and my dad, I'm like, that's when I'm like, okay, uh, I'm not, I'm not handling this the way I need to handle it. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, find some, find somebody who's willing to speak truth into you, find it quickly. Uh, when you get a place in the ministry and a location, um, cause, cause the fact is, is that we all, every single one of us struggle with, with pride. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us struggle with, with this, with this ideal, uh, that we think we know it all. We think that our, our perceptions are truth. Our perceptions is of, of ministry and how ministry should be is truth and that's the way it should happen. All of us struggle with this. Uh, and it's and it even, I did for the longest time until I finally, finally God has smacked me in the face through several things in ministry to get me to understand that I am not God. He is. Stop yeah. trying to control things. Tr- stop trying to think that 
my way is the highway when it comes to ministry. His his uh, thoughts are higher. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and 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 man, it just took it took a lot to get me there, uh, and it took a lot of frustrating, beating my head against the wall moments uh, for God to really shake me up. Uh, but all that that says is is my 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 biggest desire for pastors is pastors really grasp this concept of humility uh because in reality if if you're a if you're a humble leader and you and you live in in a concept in a realm of humility how you teach how you shepherd people will follow you to the ends of the earth uh if you're humble well, that's because they're following you as you follow Christ. And that's exactly. what that brings us back to the verse we started with in James 4 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Notice what the verse doesn't say. He doesn't say, but God gives success to the humble. Mm-hmm. He gives us grace. Uh, humility humility does take an aspect of recognition that you are not going to do it right the first time, most of the time. And so, um, I want to encourage you guys with that. Focus in on the fact that God gives grace to the humble, not success, not a bigger church, not a bigger house, not a bigger youth group. He gives you grace. And grace is what we need. Um, So latch on to that truth today uh, because you don't want to be the other half of that verse. God opposing the proud. If you're not on God's team, you're screwed. Um, (laughs) So I've read the end of the book. He wins. So, uh, in light of that, (laughs) thank you guys for listening uh, today. We really appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, please leave a comment and a star review. Uh, That just allows us to keep our content at the top. Um, And yes, if you give us a one star, we will try to be humble about it. Uh, (laughs) And if you give us a five star, we will try to be humble about it. Uh, But if there's a topic that uh, you'd like us to uh, talk about or go back over because COVID just ruined it and now we don't know what we're doing. Um, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to connect with you on our Facebook group, the Youth and Culture Facebook group. Um, also, follow and like our page, too, because um, that also notifies you when a new episode comes out. Um, and uh, don't forget, you know we're part of the RFP network of podcasts, and uh, there's a bunch of other podcasts on there that uh, should be helpful for you if you're trying to seek out uh, specific areas of ministry or uh, struggle that you're dealing with. And uh, we would love uh, to hear from you guys. Well, guys... Stay tuned for our next episode.